Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Let's get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the person of Jesus, in Jesus' mighty name. Alright, so I'm going to start um, a couple of series in the midweek meetings. And I want us to pay very careful attention to it because one of the challenges we have when it comes to the word of God is familiarity. And if you want to learn from God's word, you cannot be too familiar with the word. I'd rather say you should not be familiar with the word. Especially if you want to learn from the word of God. So for instance, if I say, let's turn to John chapter 3 verse 16. Example. Most people wouldn't turn there. Why? You already know what's there. What's there? For God to love the world and all that and all that. And so sometimes if we are not, uh, if we don't discipline ourselves to pay attention to the word, we cannot learn from the word. Now, I know a lot of churches, when they close service, you know, they say, let's share the grace. And I know some of you have also wondered why we don't use the grace here, why we use another scripture. And I'll tell you the reason. You know, sometimes, I, I, this is me, I might be wrong, but sometimes I just feel that people don't even pay attention to those words. When they close, oh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, love of God, amen. Surely, goodness and mercy have followed me. And people are not even thinking of the words. You know, but for us, when we talk about Hebrews chapter 13, as we are learning it, we are paying attention. And after a while, I'll change it again. Why? So we can pay attention to the words. Alright? How many of you were singing songs in nursery school that you were just singing, you enjoyed the song, but now that you're an adult and you have to teach your children, you discover that you were not singing the right words at all. You know, it's like if you call your young child and say, come and sing the national anthem. What's going to happen? She's just going to blast. Even the wrong words, with confidence, just singing. Until you realize that those are not the right words. So sometimes, we can get into familiar scriptures and not really understand them. All this introduction I'm saying is to say that I'm teaching on Psalm 23 this evening. That's why I'm saying all what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. So everything I'm saying is that we are going to go verse by verse, Psalm 23. Alright? So we're going to take each verse and we're going to stay on it every weekday until we get to the end. Okay? So we, we're going to look at, I don't know what to call it. Maybe we'll call it a look at Psalm 23. This is part one. And I want us to go through it diligently. Let's study it. Let's take the words apart and, and study it. Now, of course, Psalm 23, Psalm 22 comes before Psalm 23. That's not a revelation, right? That's not a revelation. Psalm 22 comes before Psalm 23. Now, that's important. It's important because the scriptures originally were not written in chapters and verses. Okay? So it was just a long scroll. But for the sake of understanding, for instance, if it was just a long scroll, 
and there was no chapter 23 verse this, you will not be able to follow me, right? I'll just say turn to Psalms. And then before the service is ended, some of you have not found Psalm 23. So that helps us to understand why they broke it down. Now, but for you to understand Psalm 23, you have to read Psalm 22. And find out what was the context of Psalm 22 before you get to Psalm 23. So in Psalm 22 verse 1, right? We're going to Psalm 23, but we start from Psalm 22 verse 1. It says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So simple question. Who made this statement? If you don't know this, we'll drive you out of the church and close the door. Who said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? David. Who said, who said David? Come and collect 12 strokes. Okay, David wrote it, but who said it? Jesus Christ. Okay, so that tells us that Psalm 22 is the Messianic Psalm. Everything in Psalm 22 was talking about Jesus on the cross. Now, it was written by David, but it was said by Jesus. Okay. Are we together? Okay. Go to Matthew 27, 46. Matthew 27 and 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. Who cried out with a loud voice? Jesus saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Go to Mark 15, 34. Mark chapter 15 and verse 34. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22 verse 1. So, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation points us to the person of Christ. Talks about Jesus. And so even though it was David that wrote this and it was like as if David was saying it, this was actually pointing to Jesus. So if you read the whole of the Psalms, uh, Psalm 22, um, the whole of Psalm 22, it talked about um, what he went through, um, his crucifixion and all that and all that and all that. Go to verse 18, verse 17, Psalm 22, verse 17. Go to verse 17. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divided my garment among them and for my clothing they cast lots. Who did this happen to? Jesus on the cross. You can find that in Matthew chapter 27 verse 35. You can find it in Mark 15 24. You can find it in Luke 23 34. You can find it in John chapter 19 verse 24. The garments of Jesus, uh, lots were casted for it. Okay? So, I'm just picking verses to show you that the whole of Psalm 22 is talking about Jesus. So, verse 1, we see it's talking about Jesus. Verse 17 and 18, we say it's talking about Jesus. Now, if you go to verse, um, uh, verse 27, all the ends of, all the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you, for the kingdom is the Lord, and he rules over the nations. 
All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the door shall bow before him. Even he who cannot keep himself alive. Verse 30. Verse 30. A posterity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. So, David in Psalm 22 writes about the cross. And talks about the messianic experience of Jesus. That means what Jesus went through on the cross. Uh, like prophetically speaking about what Jesus went through on the cross. Now, because of what Jesus went through on the cross in Psalm 22, David can now confidently make the declaration of Psalm 23. The reason being that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross qualifies us for that relationship of Psalm 23. That's very important. It's very important you understand that. Even though in the Old Testament, God referred to himself as shepherd of the people, but there's something here that David was speaking, uh, speaking about particularly, which is the personal relationship that he had. And that could only happen because Jesus had gone on the cross for us. So when Jesus went on the cross for us, the Bible says that the middle wall of partition was broken, that we that were not uh, a part of the body has now become part of the body, and we can have that same relationship that God originally intended for Adam to have in the Garden of Eden. So in, in Psalm 23, David now says, The Lord is my shepherd. Now, that's important. The word Lord there, the word Lord refers to Yahweh as the self-existent one. It's actually the word Jehovah, right? It's the word Jehovah. It means the self-existent one or the eternal one. And it's important for us to to understand that. That the self-existent one, the eternal one, It was almost like saying, the one who is my shepherd, you know, because in those days, you know, they had, they had several shepherds, right? So David was even a shepherd boy. Am I right? Where are you guys? Am I right? Okay. So if I say, uh, who now? If I say Tony is my shepherd. Alright. But you know, Tony is limited. He's a human being, right? But when he says the Lord, specific, right? T-H-E, specific. Who was he referring to? It's like saying, the Jehovah, the self-existent one. The one who doesn't need anything to complete himself. And now, this is important, because until we understand the Lordship of God to us, we cannot benefit from him as a shepherd. Okay, so I'll go back with this now. Because, if if I, if, I, if I can't trust your judgment, then I'm not going to listen to you all the time. You know, and some of us do that with God. We listen to God here, we listen to God here. When it comes to that, I say, God, don't worry, I went to school, I'll, I'll sort it out. Then he is not functioning as the Lord who is your shepherd. You know, so when we say the Lord, the self-existent one, it gives us, first of all, uh uh, it denotes, first of all, a position of lordship. The one who is self-existent. And that understanding of God 
it must first come before you see him as your shepherd. In that case, you will be able to trust him as your shepherd. You know, right here, David was writing with the notion that the sheep were obedient. He wasn't writing with our own notion. You know, for us, we are, <laughs> we are, we are sheep that have MBA, DBA, CBA, KBA. We have all the degrees in front of us. So sometimes even when God is saying, do it this way, you're like, no, 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 no. This way will work better. So David was not writing from that position. He wasn't writing from the position of a sheep that argues with the shepherd. He was writing from the position of a normal sheep. That if the shepherd say, come this way, we'll do what? We'll come this way. And if the shepherd say, go that way, we'll do what? We'll go that way. So, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Many times for God to make us understand certain things, He used certain um, um, images to describe Himself. The reason you find that God uses several images to describe himself in the scriptures is to actually give us understanding, for us to be able to relate with him. So it's like he says, the Lord, the self-existent one, right? In that his majesty, in that his grandeur, is my shepherd. Now for the Lord, Jehovah, the self-existent one to become my shepherd, it's almost like he is bringing himself down. He is lowering himself, right? Because the sheep and the shepherd must be at the same place. Right? So you cannot say, uh, you cannot be right here now. And they say, Where, where's your sheep? Say, where well, they are in Lagos. <laughs> it, it can't work that way. Right? So if, if I say, I'm your shepherd, it means that the sheep is close by. So for the Lord to be my shepherd... He had to go through the process of the cross. Now you see why Psalm 22 came before Psalm 23. He had to go through the process of the cross to come in the likeness of man, the mystery of godliness, in the person of Jesus, to do what? So he can become our shepherd. But whilst he is our shepherd, we must not forget that our shepherd is the Lord. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you follow what I'm saying? So because he is the Lord, Jehovah, the self-existent one, for him to be able to become the shepherd of the sheep in, in their humanity, he had to condescend through the cross. So the cross was like the steps that God took to come to man. So in the cross, the relationship between man and God was restored so we can with confidence say that he is our shepherd. So we're not just seeing him as God the self-existent one, but the God who is the self-existent one came in the form of Jesus so he can become our shepherd in our humanity. Are we following so far? Talk to me. Are we following so far? Alright. So let's read on. So we're still on the Lord, right? <laughs> okay. So it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, while in scriptures, God uses a lot of corporate terms that's relating to the whole nation of Israel. But you find out that in Psalm 23, David personalizes the shepherding of God. That's very important. The Lord is. 
It is said the Lord is our shepherd. Because what David was trying to put here is the personal relationship that every sheep has with the shepherd. So he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Okay, so the Lord is my personal. And that's very important. Regardless of how we enjoy corporate worship, regardless of how we enjoy corporate singing, you know sometimes you find some people singing, and uh, they're singing songs and you're wondering, do you understand what they're singing? Right? Like somebody singing, uh, well, I don't want to sing. You know, somebody just singing something. Okay? And you're thinking, if this guy is singing this, you know, I, I went to preach in a, in a village uh, in South Africa, in, in a place called Soshangove. It's called Hamaskra. It's a village. I mean, village, village. The churches were made of zinc. And so, the, I mean, there was this lady. She was singing. She was leading the praise. So I, I, I videoed her and sent that to my wife. In that village, in that cold, I, the place was cold. It was so cold, I finished preaching and ran into the car. Extremely cold. You know, she was singing and dancing. And I asked myself, how come this lady is singing and dancing? It's because the song is ministering to her. You know, we can become very professional in the, in the way we do things and in the way we worship God. So David is saying, listen, the self-existent one, Jehovah, is my shepherd. Personal relationship. You see, there are levels in God, people cannot take you there. You have to make up your mind that you want to have that relationship with God. Right? You know, you can come, you read your Bible, pray every day so you'll be wise. Read your Bible, pray every day so you'll be wise. You can decide not to read. There's how far you can push someone to worship God. There's something about God that must come from the heart of an individual. Are you following what I'm saying? You cannot carry your children and say, God, look at all of us. I accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. No way. Do you understand? A point must also come, even though you are a pastor's child. Right? Where you have to say, I do this. So he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, let's read a couple of scriptures where the, where the Lord refers to us as the people of his ship. Psalm 100 verse 3. Psalm 100 verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. So you find out, <laughs> again, it uses the word Lord there. What did we say about Lord? The self-existent one. Don't forget that. Always keep this in your mind. Psalm 100, and, Psalm 100 verse 3. So he says, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us. And not we ourselves. We are His people. And what? The sheep of His pasture. Um, who wrote a song with this? Panapasipo, right? Yeah? Right? Why are you making me look very old? Panampasi Paul, right? Wrote, yeah, you are looking like I was talking about a hymn that Charles G. Finney wrote. So you're making me look very old. Oh, you don't know Panampasi Paul anymore. And he wrote a song with this. Come, let us bow down before him. Yeah, and all that, and all that. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people 
and the sheep of his pasture. Psalm 95 verse 7. Psalm 95 verse 7. For he is our God. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. I want to note the words he uses. We are the sheep of his hand. Okay. Psalm 79 verse 13. What does it say? So we, your people, and sheep of your pasture, we give you thanks forever. We will show forth your praise to all generations. So I want you to observe the word that God, uh, that the scripture uses as the sheep of his pasture. So there is that relationship. Okay, so let's look at the next word he uses. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. So let's look at that word shepherd. Let's look at that word shepherd. The word shepherd is Ra. R-O-A-A-H. R-A-A-H. That's the word for shepherd. It means to tend the flock, to grace, to rule, to associate with as a friend. Something like a headsman, or pastor, or the one that keeps company. So the word shepherd is actually used as the word as pastor. You, you find it as pastor. Which denotes um, to tend, to feed, to guide, to govern, to defend. So he says, the Lord is the one who guides me. The Lord is the one who feeds me. The one is the Lord who governs me. The Lord is the one that defends me. So we cannot say, we cannot talk about Psalm 23 out of the, out of the, outside of the context of personal relationship. I want you to note that down. We cannot talk of Psalm 23 outside of the concept of personal relationship. Personal. Personal. It is individual. This is not a psalm for the house. It's not a psalm for the children. It's not a psalm for, do you understand? It's a psalm that relates to what? To an individual. This is an individual experience with God who has become his shepherd. So, the word shepherd, Israel, it's used uh, in the Old Testament. Let's just go through how many times it's used in the Old Testament, quickly. In the Old Testament, it's used 20 times in Genesis, 3 times in Exodus, 2 in Numbers, 1 in Judges, 7 times in 1 Samuel, 2 times in 2 Samuel, 1 in 1 Kings, 1 in 2 Kings, um, 3 times in 1 Chronicles, 1 in 2 Chronicles, 3 times in Job, 8 times in this context, in the book of Psalms, 6 in Proverbs, 1 in Ecclesiastes, 7 in Songs of Solomon, 16 in Isaiah, 27 times in Jeremiah, 32 times in Ezekiel, 3 times in Hosea, 2 times in Amos, 1 in Jonah, 5 times in Micah, 1 in Nahum, 3 times in Zephaniah, 13 times in Zechariah. Now, there were prophets who saw the dimension of God being as a shepherd to the people of Israel. And they spoke a lot about it. One of such prophets is Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 40 verse 11. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 11. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 11. Let's start reading from verse 10. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand. So it's interesting that every time you see the word shepherd, you also see the word Lord. 
Right? It's very interesting. Right? The behold, the Lord thou shall come with a strong hand, and his hand shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. Verse 11. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lamb with his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and gently lead them that are with young. So I want you to see this description of the Lord. This is talking about the Lord. He will gather the lambs with his arms. You know, there is something about, uh, you know, if you, I know, in, in, like in our nation right now, when you mention Fulani Hetzman, it's not a good name that you want to hear. Boy, but if you observe those Fulani Hetzman, the relationship they have with their cows, it's a personal relationship, right? <laughs> it's, it's very personal. Like they blow some whistle and all the car going this way. Even you that is in the car, not in the cow. I say you that is in the car. <laughs> you wind up, <laughs> you are driving slowly, and these guys are amongst them. Sleep with them. I mean, in terms of, in the context of the ship, they are sleeping outside. They are there. You don't have that kind of relationship. The only relationship you have with the cow is when it ends up in your soup. That's when it becomes my myth. This cow is my beef. I shall not want. You understand that? That's the only time. It's when the cow has become beef to you that you have a very personal relationship with it. If anybody steals it, then you can say, why did you steal my meat? That's when, through the process of the pot, the cow becomes... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But they have a personal relationship. And sometimes if you watch them, when the cows give birth, and the, the young ones are struggling to walk, what happens? They carry them on their shoulder. You will not try that. Especially when you, you, you grow in this part of the world. What are you going to do? You say, listen, let's stay here until that, that your leg is strong. Then we will move. So, it, look at the relationship God wants to have with us. Gather the lamb with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are young. The, the point is this. God, the self-existent one, this is very important, through the process of the cross, wants to become your shepherd. He wants to carry you in his bosom. He wants to relate with you. We're going to look at the, I'm just laying the introduction. Next Wednesday we'll look at the things he, he does for us. But we need to see that God as our shepherd. Most of us like guidance because we wouldn't relate to him as that. You know the way we relate to God most times? Right? It's like, it's just like, you know people, sometimes I wonder, when I, Sit with believers and I ask them some questions. Oh, I want to do this, Pastor. I want to do this. Have you prayed about it? Uh, not really, but I'll pray. Now, their concept of even prayer is not going to ask the Lord, do you want me to do this? It's like, you know, Lord, this is what I want to do. Where's your stamp? Just bless it. Yeah. And you know, the funny thing, people walk out of the will of God and still want to quote Psalm 23. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And they want to say, the Lord is my shepherd, but clearly that relationship is not there. What's the benefit of the Lord being your shepherd? Jeremiah 23 verse 4. Let's see something God said about shepherding. Jeremiah 23 verse 4. The Lord is my shepherd. Can you say that? I mean, as... 
or statement of reality and fact. Jeremiah 23. Not just some prayer you hang on your wall. Jeremiah 23 verse 4. The Lord guiding you. Or you are a sheep that has grown. <laughs> Big sheep. Or you are a sheep that has swag. Jeremiah 23 verse 4. A set of shepherds over them who will feed them. And they shall fear no more. So, one of the things that the shepherding of God does in your life, it removes fear. You know God is my shepherd. It removes fear. Fear of the future. Fear of this. You see, people were scared of everything. Look at this. Nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking. Can you see this in Psalm 23 verse 1? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, in Hebrew, in John chapter 10 verse 14, Jesus referred to himself as what? The good shepherd. In, in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20, he refers to himself as the great shepherd of the sheep. That's our confession. In 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 4, he refers to himself as the sheep shepherd. So we see um, God being referred to as the sheep shepherd, the great shepherd, the good shepherd. John 10, 14, the good shepherd. Hebrews 13, 20, the great shepherd of the sheep. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 4, the sheep shepherd. So, let's go back to Psalm 23, verse 1. Are you learning something? Talk to me, are you learning something? Alright, it's good. Okay, so the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Personal relationship. The self-existent one is the one who is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, I've heard people say that, well... The Lord will only meet your need and not your wants and all kind of thing. Trying to make excuses for God. But the word wants there is actually supposed to be translated lack. And that's very important. Now pay very close attention. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. The word there is the word shasar. C-H-A-C-E-R. It's the word for lack. What that word means in the Hebrew means to fall. Sorry, to fail. To fail. Right? Number two, it means to want. So this is what the word they use there. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not fail. Now, this is very critical now because... It means that for us to be consistently successful, we must follow the guidance of our shepherd. Now, I'll give you an example. All these um, um, shepherds, right? Like the Fulani guys, with all these cows. You know that they go a great extent to make sure those cows are led successfully home, wherever home is. If home is to the abattoir, or home is back to their master. Wherever home is defined. What happens? They take responsibility. But if you, found, if you find a cow that would not listen. You blow the whistle. They go the opposite direction. You flood them. They take off. What's going to happen? They might end up doing what? Uh, end up in the wrong hands. Not because the shepherd wants that for them. But because what? 
the cows took personal responsibility for their guidance. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. Shasar. It means not to lack or fail or lessen. Lessen, that's like going down, decrease. To be bereaved, to decrease. Or to have lack, or to make lower. So, we find that the shepherding of God is key to our consistent way of living. And this has to be personal. Because the Lord is going to guide each and every one of us differently. And I'm not also talking of spooky believers who they just say, Oh, you know what? Praise the Lord. The Lord just told me not to come to church today. No. Because God has said we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You know, oh, the Lord told me to wear black today. That's not the people I'm talking about. Guidance as consistent with the word. So we find out that the guidance of God is consistent with his word. Because, because on next Wednesday we're going to see, immediately he finished talking about this, then he talks about the pasture. Because the first place God is going to lead you to is to his word. But let's talk about this thing called lack. Now, let me, let me ask you something. You don't need to raise your hand. You don't need to answer. I know the answer myself. If I say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Okay, let's just think. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Right? What's the first thing? Finances. Let's be honest. Come on. When you say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Money, right? Be honest with God. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Money. Do you see why God even says that we cannot serve God and money? You know that every scripture like this, the first thing that comes to our mind is what? Is money. i ask you something. What do you really think a sheep needs? What's the first need of a sheep? Let's assume now we are sheep because the word says we are sheep, right? What do you think our first need is? Food. Okay? Okay? Yeah, food. Guidance. Protection. Right? But you know, we forget all of this for money. Because we think, man, if we have money, I can hire Mupo. Don't worry. <laughs> if I have money, forget God. I know the country I will stay in. You don't need to advise me. Once I have money, all my problems are over. That's our problem. We only connect God to money supplier. That's the reason. Go to Philippians 4.19. You, I know most of you know that scripture. <laughs> Philippians 4.19. What does it say? Say it now. Come on, come on, come on. Philippians 4.19. What does it say? And my God shall... So- Let's read it. Come on, church. One to go. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Money. Can you see that if we go through scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, every scripture about provision, the first thing that comes to your mind is money. And that limits the potency of those scriptures. Let's go, let's just read this again. Want to go, and my God shall supply how many of your needs? How many of your needs? How many of your needs? How many? How many? Is that all? 
only solved when you have money. No, absolutely no. So when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want or I shall not lack. Some of you are just saying, Pastor, leave that thing for money. Just leave it. <laughs> don't don't interpret that thing for that. I'm okay with that revelation. But if the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. And he supplies all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It means that God wants to supply things to us that are just beyond money. I'll tell you this. The primary thing you should ever ask God for in your life is wisdom. Proverbs tells us. It says wisdom is the principal thing, but it's a lie. How many times do you go before the Lord and pray for wisdom? How many times really do you go before the Lord? You only pray for wisdom when you have made some very rash decision. Wisdom doesn't look like a substance to pray for. I'll just give you an example. If I say we've got to pray and fasting for financial breakthrough, everywhere is going to be full. And then, even when you raise the prayer point very low, say, let's just pray that God will make provisions. They won't, they won't take it that way. Oh, my Father, my Helper, my Lord, my God, Creator of heaven and earth. They'll start all those introductions. And then you just say, well, let's, let's fast and pray for wisdom. They say, don't worry, Pastor, I already have it. It's money that is proof. If I have money now, you will know I'm wise. <laughs> no. <laughs> if you are wise, you will have money. The Bible says, the prosperity of the fool will destroy him. That means it is possible to be a fool and to prosper. It's because money is, money's got some basic laws, right? If I buy this thing, um, 20,000, and I go sell it for 50,000, I'm gonna make 30,000. And he just can make that happen. But what's gonna happen? When he gets the profit, what's gonna happen? He's gonna use that prosperity to do what? To destroy himself. So, when the Lord says, I want you to see this in context now. When the Lord says, when, when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What he was saying is that every need that I have, the self-existent one will show me how to have that need met. Why is it a self-existent one? He possesses all wisdom. He possesses all knowledge. He possesses all ability. Through the Lord, in the process of the cross, being my shepherd, I can tap into the ability of the self-existent one and have all my needs met. I, listen, all your needs can be met through Christ. Now, this is where the theology is important. That need, the needs to be met, can also be the Lord teaching you how to endure all circumstances. Because before verse 19, Paul has says what? I know how to do what? To abase and how to do what? To abound. So sometimes what you need in a particular circumstance can be the wisdom for that circumstance. Case, uh, an example. When Herod wanted to kill Jesus, what did the Lord say? What did God say to, to Joseph? Bible students, come on, talk to me now. What did the Lord say to Joseph? Eh? Talk, take the child and do what? Go to church. Run to where? <laughs> Run to where? Egypt. But you know, if Joseph had come and said, you know what? 
I'm a man of faith. This child that you gave to me without human conception, nobody can kill this child. <laughs> Most likely you'll be looking for another savior. What was the supply of God in that situation? Run. <laughs> That's the supply. Direction. But how did the self-existent one meet that need? Before, when Jesus was born, he led shepherd to come minister to Joseph, the baby, because that money was going to be needed for the running. Do you understand? So imagine, Joseph just got that money. And say, I have been telling them that when I give birth to the Savior, my neighbors will know that we have given birth. I want to buy the house. I want to buy the house. And buys all the houses in Galilee. And I put Joseph's streets. God has done it. <laughs> and then God comes to him and says, Run. Like, there's no transport for God. You, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So it means that, listen carefully now. Now, I, I, I say that jokingly. But me, look at this now. It means that if you need the Lord to be your shepherd, every single decision in your life has to be directed by Him. Because no one situation in your life is, is, is apart from the other. If, you have, if you've got a job here, it's because God wants to do something in the next five years. And you need to find the wisdom of God on how to manage this season because every season of your life will lead to the next season. But you know what happens? Guys get into a season and they're like, Shepherd, your work is over. From now, I'm in charge, commander-in-chief. And they mess up God's plan for their life. So this comes to a very difficult point. Now, I know you won't want to hear this, but listen. When money comes into your hand, the first thing is not a budget. The first thing is to go before the Lord. And say, Lord, what will you have us do? Sometimes the Lord will say, keep it. I'll give you another example. Joseph, Pharaoh, Pharaoh had a dream. How these kings can be wicked? They'll have a dream they won't remember. You know, but poor people always remember their dreams. Because sometimes it is only in the dreams they are able to eat fat cows. So they never forget. So the king dreams and comes and brings Joseph. And what was the interpretation of the dream? He didn't say, let us pray. This dream requires fasting. This is not an easy dream. For a small cow to eat fat cow. <laughs> we are dealing with principalities here. We are not talking small demons. No. What did Joseph say? Joseph said, listen, you're going to have seven years of plenty. Come on, come on, talk to me. You're going to have seven years of plenty. And what? Seven years of leanness. He says, you know what you're going to do? Take this number of percentage. Do this, do this, do this. The Lord spoke to Ken and Hagen many years ago. He says, a famine is coming. Uh, um, an economic crisis is coming upon America. Don't do crusades in this place and that place. Cut down the number of your staff. And after, you can go ahead. That's somebody who is led by the Lord. Sometimes the Lord can lead you to put something aside. Sometimes the Lord can lead you seasons of silence and solitude to spend time in the Word. And if you would follow the guidance of the Lord who is your shepherd, you would discover that, listen, even when things are tough, He always supplies your needs. You might not have the abundance, but when you look back, you discover that you made it. And you made it well. Why? Because the Lord is your shepherd. So, our time is up. Let's close here for tonight. On Wednesday, we continue with the next verse. 
But two things I want you to pick from here is that this thing has to be personal. The self-existent one has to be your personal shepherd. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you. We yield ourselves to you. Thank you for your guidance and your leadership. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.